0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities.
1: So when you have a stock like this where... The, the normal volume in the stock like this is about 200,000 shares a day. And then if you take a look at the chart and you go to the 9th of, of June, you're going to see that the stock traded 118 million. If you happen to own the stock and you see it spike in that kind of volume and the stock goes as high as 97 cents from a low of 31 cents, you sell right into that. What's going to happen is once those buyers exhaust themselves, this stock will come crashing down. And that's exactly what it did. It came back down to 30 cents.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. Again, I'm your host, Bill Powers. Well, as you grow as an investor, and particularly in the resource sector, I found that it's good not to listen to only people that specialize in the resources, or not only people that specialize in your particular approach to investing in the resource sector, but it's good to get different vantage points. And that's one of the reasons why I've been bringing back on professional trader, Nick Santiago of in InTheMoneyStocks.com. You may not be a trader or have the orientation of a trader. You may be more of a a fundamental type or value investor but it's good to hear the insights that someone with a different perspective can offer because you can take little snippets or aspects of how they approach what they do and incorporate that into your model and your approach. So with that being said, Nick, thank you for coming back on Mining Stock Education. And it's been about a month, so can you update us on any precious metals trades that you've been making?
1: Yeah, I've, I haven't really done too much in the precious metals trades. I think the last time I was on your show, I had I was a buyer of the SLV, and that actually hit my upside objective, which I think I, I even brought onto the program. So uh, that played out nicely. Now I'm just sitting back and waiting for another pattern to uh, develop here. And once it does, I'll be looking to get back into probably gold miners, silver, maybe even a few silver miners, and um, potentially even uh, GLD or the IAU. Uh, which is basically gold. So, um, but right now they're in consolidation, and we're just sitting back and waiting on them.
0: And how do you judge that point at which they're about to break out of consolidation, or do you wait for them to break out and then jump in?
1: No, I, I normally don't wait for them to break out. I usually get into them prior to the breakout. And how I do that is, um, I, I use multiple time frames and I look at all different time frame charts. So I'll you, you look at a daily chart, a weekly chart, a monthly chart, a quarterly chart. Sometimes I even look at a yearly chart. And I just make a determination: what is the stock going into? What kind of resistance is above the equity? And right now, if you take a look at, we'll use GLD for argument's sake, or go use even gold futures. But if you take a look at the GLD, um, you know you could see that this ran up into a very good resistance point going back to February of 2013, and if you you'll see that very easily on a monthly chart. And um, if you look at that February month of 2013, um, that's where we had our first wide range sell-off bar. So we know that's a very good resistance point. The market's gonna struggle there to get through that. And then after that, you know, the GLD can work its way up to probably 170, 180. But at the moment, it's stuck in the mud here at 162. So when I see something like that, I know that it needs to put in usually several months of sideways action. When it does that, it's basically building up an army. Uh, and what I, what I mean by army is in, uh, you'll get trader accumulation there, and then you'll get the breakout, and then it will have some, some real staying power to move you know, into the 170 or higher level.
0: From a psychological standpoint, can you further elaborate a little more? When you say consolidation, is that just the buyers and sellers going back and forth before the buyers eventually went out and the stocks go up?
1: That's correct. That's exactly what you get. You just get a lot of backing and filling, and it's like a tug of war. Some people are looking for it to move higher. Others are saying, no, it's not going there. And what the stock does, it just gyrates in a range. And as long as you stay in that range, and it could, when, a, when you're looking at a monthly chart, the range could be, you know, pretty decent. It could be, you know, say on the GLD from 165 down to you know, one fifty-five. I wouldn't rule anything out there. And but as long as you you get that range and you stay within that in those parameters, eventually the ebb and flow of the markets will take you higher. And I ultimately, you know, I, I love the precious metals going forward. This year alone, I've I've taken, you know, a couple of GDX trades, which is gold miners, ETF, and I've done the uh, <clears throat> slv trade, and I've, I've I've had tremendous gains in all three.
0: Do you have any breakout points for silver that you're monitoring?
1: So last time I think I was on the program, I was in a silver trade, and I had said, uh, you know and I, when I got into the silver trade, I did it via the SLV and it was down around you know thirteen dollars and seventy five cents thirteen eighty somewhere down there. And I said, I love this chart pattern. The chart pattern was what I call a coiling pattern. And um you know, it ran up to its its upside objective. And if you even look at Silver Futures, it had the same exact pattern that went up uh, to nineteen just under nineteen dollars. That was my upside objective. Now, um, for silver, I think you got to wait on it um, for a while, and then it it'll it eventually will get to the twenty level. Once it breaks through, say, uh, you have a big pivot point going back to, and what I mean by pivot point is just where you had a high in the chart. Going back to July of two thousand sixteen at twenty one dollars and twenty two cents. Once we clear that, silver's off to the races, you'll see twenty five, even I think you'll go even as high as into the low low thirties. Uh, eventually. How do you
0: approach investing in micro cap? Because, you know, w- people that are listening to this show invest in the junior gold stocks, many of which are traded on the OTC markets if they're trading in the States or in Canada, the venture exchange. But we do have listeners from all over the world. So when they're trading in these micro cap stocks that aren't going to be as liquid as SLJ or um, SLV or JNUG, GDX, GDXJ, these ETFs that you can get in and out of, What are some of the different trading dynamics that listeners should be aware of?
1: Well, you have to be very careful whenever you're trading something that is not liquid. Personally, I like to trade things that are super liquid for that ability to get in and out of instantly. Um, When you're trading something that's illiquid or doesn't trade high volume, you have to always realize that. You know you're going to be uh, handcuffed to the institutions a little bit. And in, uh, one big institution could put in a market order and that could knock that equity down quite a bit, or they could put in a, a market order to buy and they could, you know, cause that equity to spike up. So you have to be aware of that. What I like to do if you're going to trade something like that, and I I advise um, a few people on trading some of these. Um, what we call junior miners or, or things that are not so liquid is go with a bigger time frame and watch that pattern there. That will help you. I would at least stick with more so than a daily chart. Look at those weekly charts and let those patterns set up there on the weekly charts. That'll give you a better indication of what it's going to do, and you won't be so. Um, you won't be whipsawed back and forth uh, on the smaller time frame action, meaning you know a daily chart or even an hourly chart. So go with a bigger time frame if you're going to trade something like that. But personally, I, I like to stick with the liquid vehicles.
0: I had a listener of the show email me in the past week saying that they have in their back pocket the strategy when they really see silver and the miners begin to go parabolic of pyramiding call options. Could you, for those listeners that don't know, what is pyramiding call options? and do you employ this strategy?
1: Yeah, so pyramiding anything is just you're going to add into your position as you go higher. So, you know, you're looking for the move to go higher. I personally don't love that strategy. What I do, and um, I've done this quite often, and I did it with SLV, in fact, I knew the SLV target was going to be just under $19. At the time when I started to trade SLV, I did it a few times, um, I did it with call options, and I was buying the SLV on the, on a daily chart in in the month of April. You know, around thirteen and thirteen and three, uh, around thirteen ninety fourteen dollars. And I've actually I I did it, and then it, it popped, and then I waited for a pullback, and I did it again, and I got that you know another pop. So I was able to make. You know, basically fifty percent on two call options back and forth, and I also own the SLV. So that's how I'll do it. I'll usually, whenever I can uh, identify where a target is going to be, I'll I'll usually will buy call options as well. Um, I'll sell them, you know, at first resistance, and then I'll wait for a pullback, and then I'll re-enter them and let them run to the ultimate target.
0: We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Silver One Resources is an exploration and development company backed by strategic investors Eric Sprott and SSR Mining. At Silver One's Candelaria Mine project in Nevada, there is already a historic resource estimated at 127 million ounces of silver, which Silver One is developing and advancing. The company's Phoenix Silver project, located within the Arizona Silver Belt, is an early stage exploration project on which native silver vein fragments have been discovered Near surface. One grab sample assayed an astounding 14,688 ounces per ton. Yes, that's right, ounces, not grams. Silver One has tremendous exploration potential, is extremely leveraged to the price of silver, and is cashed up and poised to increase shareholder value. Silver One trades in New York under the ticker SLVRF and in Toronto under the ticker SVE. To learn more, go to silverone.com. That's silverone.com. What should listeners uh, know about options expiry and how you trade around it? What type of warnings might you give?
1: Great question because this is a quadruple witching options expiration coming up on Friday where you're going to have four different asset classes expire under the sun. So um, you want to be aware that during the week leading up into options expiration, you get a lot of institutional game playing. And it's not just in stocks. It's in equities. It's in commodities. It's in everything because there are different – there are different stocks that uh, will will be involved in every different aspect. So again, you want to be on your you really want to be on your game this week. What I always suggest traders do if you're ever going to trade an option, do not trade near term. Go out, buy, pay, pay up a little bit, and give yourself three four months of time. And this way, you're not really going to be a victim. Of the near-term uh, volatility, the near-term whipsaw, and the near-term institutional game playing, because this is a week right now where you're going to hear ridiculous upgrades, downgrades. You'll hear ridiculous takeover rumors. All sorts of things will fly around this week. It, it's notorious. The week of Options X, meaning Options X is on a Friday for for equities. Um, the whole week you'll be hearing, you know, all these different rumors and, you know, last Options X. I'll never forget. Um, just for stocks, and I'll use this example. Um, we had Stan Druckenmiller say, you know, stocks were overvalued. Uh, this is the worst market. They're going to, you know, tank. David Tepper came on, a bit famous hedge fund manager. He was on CNBC saying how, you know, he expects the markets to crash and tank. And what did the market do? It pulled back for two days and then it rallied higher. Don't listen to any of this stuff, listen to the chart. The chart will tell you everything you need to know.
0: There's a chart I want you to comment on, and it's a company called PolyMet Mining. Ticker symbol is PLM, uh, in New York. And this company was actually mentioned uh, on this show by a guest, and uh, interview was released on the 9th, So then I paid attention to the chart. It wasn't a company I was following, and then it went absolutely parabolic. I mean, 25 cents, you know, to about a dollar. So. upwards at the spike about fourfold out of the gate which i thought was crazy then it came back down after that came back down to about 30 cents in the days preceding and then just recently it shot back up again to the the 50s and so you know i looked there wasn't any news i could find when you see this happening these parabolic spike up spike down arrest a couple days later up again how do you interpret this? What do you think is going on here?
1: So when you have a stock like this where the, the normal volume in the stock like this is about 200,000 shares a day, and then if you take a look at the chart and you go to the 9th of, of June, you're going to see that the stock traded 118 million. If you happen to own the stock and you see it spike in that kind of volume and the stock goes as high as 97 cents from a low of 31 cents, you sell right into that um <clears throat> what's going to happen is once those buyers exhaust themselves this stock will come crashing down and that's exactly what it did it came back down to 30 cents five days later and now it just spiked again to 60 cents i would not be a buyer of this stock at all um i would wait if you want to own this thing wait for it to get down to around 25 cents 23 cents that's where you could dabble into it again um, but that's the only way you could trade these things when these you have what we call these light volume equities and they go parabolic you have to sell right into them. If you don't do it, um, you're, you know, somebody's going to be a buyer up there. And they're going to be stuck holding the bag up at ninety cents. And a stock like this, look what it did just four days after that spike. Uh, it came down to thirty cents again. It actually went to twenty-eight. So you know that that's how you have to look at these things. Again, this stock, um, in my opinion, um, had uh, running room to around eighty-five cents. Uh, just off of the breakout, but that's it. I don't see it going much past that.
0: So, do you think that this was a pump and dump essentially for it to do what it did?
1: It could be. Yeah, it could be. That's you know, I don't trade things like this, so you know, but but I see these charts all the time. It's been going on a lot recently in these micro bio bi, uh, micro biotech stocks, micro cap biotech stocks. They've been you know going parabolic as well, and then crashing down. Um, It's just a lot of froth in the market. Right now, you have a lot of these Robinhood traders uh, getting in. And, and this is just one of those stocks, in my opinion.
0: OK, so do you think it's the algorithms, the computers that see this you know, uh, rocket out of the open and then they jump on and then the Robinhood jump on? I mean, could that explain it more than just some sort of marketing push?
1: I don't really know. I have to think it's probably more so that the stock circulated in, in some kind of uh, – um, channel where these guys talk, uh, you know, you have these, these forums where these guys all share ideas and, you know, this is the next big breakout and you just get enough speculators to jump in, in it. And it doesn't take a whole lot. I bet you this, the float on this thing is not very big. So, you know, it, just think about it in, in one session, it goes from 30 cents to 96 cents. That's, that's pretty incredible, right? So, um, it's, it, it's usually, these are more so, I, I don't like to use the term pump and dump cause I don't know this stock per se, but, um, I would have to think it's more so that case.
0: Mm-hmm. And from your vantage point, you trade even more liquid stocks, but I mean, it was traded in tens of millions of dollars. And so from the vantage point of someone that listens to this show and trades some stocks that might trade five to $10,000 worth a day, this was a highly liquid stock when we compare it to a lot of the other mining companies that we look yes, at. Yes,
1: that's true. Yeah so i mean it, it, on average i mean it looks like to me on average this thing trades around 2 to 300,000 a day which is which is okay which is decent um, but when you go parabolic and that's what happened on June 9th with 118 million shares a day i mean if you just do the math there that's that's just a, that that's what we call an exhaustion signal and um, again you never know how high they could spike it my general math would tell me probably to take it to 80, 85 cents. They actually took it all the way up to 97 cents before dropping this thing right back down to, you know, 28 cents.
0: Have you seen an inflow of Robinhood traders in your service?
1: Um, well, I haven't, but I, I, I just know what's going on out there. And I see stocks, these like small cap, well, I'll give you a, a better example, not even a small cap, but if you take a look at that Nikola, NKLA. That's, uh, that's a that's a new car company that came out. You know, just look what that stock has done. You know, that that's a perfect example. It looks almost like the PLM chart you just showed me. Stock traded, you know, in 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 May was trading around thirteen dollars, and it just went up to ninety four bucks um, on June 9th. Again, June 9th, right? So, you know, same date as that uh, PLM stock, it spiked up. So, you know, when I see these kind of frothy stocks, I call them frothy stocks just because. They make these parabolic moves. There's there's no revenue behind them. They they're not making money. Um, you know somebody is jousting these things, and uh, you know again it just catches my eye when I see a lot of that go on. It's what we call a dash for trash. Um, you know, the big speculators, they pull back and they say, hey, we're getting frothy here. It's time to pull this market back.
0: What are some of the key other sectors that you're trading right now?
1: Well, right now, um, I, I'm always looking at, at everything. I, I look at financials. I look at technology. I look at energy. I, I look at retail. Um, so, you know, a stock, restaurant stocks. I own McDonald's. I've been in this thing since 182. I still own that stock. I, I sold half of it. Already at 192. Right now, you know, went over 200. I'm kicking myself because I didn't take the second half profit there, but now it's pulled back to 191. Um, <clears throat> I own another stock, uh, Boston Scientific (BSX). Uh, another one I own is JCOM. That's a new entry for me. I made 5% on that in one day yesterday. Um, I took half off the table. I'm still holding that. And then, you know, I own some call options out there. Um, so. You know, basically, it's I'm really not doing a whole lot up here with Options X. Once Options X is over, I'll still I'll look to uh, deploy some more money to this market. Are you trading any currencies? Uh, Not at the moment, but I was in the U.S. dollar index and I had uh, the UUP, which is the U.S. dollar index ETF. And I I just uh, closed out my call position for twenty five percent last week. Okay, I was in that, but I will be looking to get back into that position again. Long the dollar.
0: Nick, this question is uh, somewhat uh, adversarial. It doesn't come from me, but it shows up in the comment section of my YouTube channel when I interview people that offer a subscription service. And the comment essentially is: If you're so good and you're so knowledgeable, why do you need to have people pay you to get your information? Why don't you? Just just take your information, keep it for yourself, your proprietary approach and make a ton of money yourself. Uh, what would you say to this person?
1: Well, there, there's a couple of, there's, there's a twofold answer there. One, I, I've studied under all of my work really that I, when I really became successful, I learned a lot of work from William Delbert Gann. And I know I mentioned his name before on the program. And And the one thing when you do his work, it's a lot of code and you have to decipher it And the one thing it said um, that I discovered is that you have to help others. So one of his books, in fact, one of my favorite books that he ever written in the foreword, he wrote, some people write to relieve pent up emotions, some for financial gain, others for fame and ambition. But the writer who does the greatest good for his readers and for himself is the man who writes with a sincere desire to help others. Uh, That's the greatest good that we can do for others is to show them how to help themselves And when they're ready and they want assistance and can make and we can make them independent instead of dependent so you know I don't offer a free trial on my service you either come in you pay for the service or you don't I I don't care if you if you come I'm not for everybody I honestly don't care if you subscribe or you don't Um, most of my members are with me or have been with me for over 10 years and I have over an 85 percent retention rate and You know, that says it all. And the day that they don't want me to do it any longer, that that's the day I'll stop. Because I I don't need to do this for anyone. So, you know, I, I provide it because of that book and that's that's my primary reason for doing it. The day they don't want me to do it, the day I get tired of it, I will walk away and just I'll take my ball and go to my own playground.
0: Nick's website is inthemoneystocks.com. If you're interested in learning more about a service, go head on over there. As always, Nick, I really appreciate this uh, fast-paced and informative interview. I look forward to catching up with you in about a month.
1: Sounds great, Bill. Thank you so much for having me.